0: It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. Amos, do you know where that is? If you got a Bible, it's probably back there where all the pages are stuck together. It's before Obadiah, is what Miss Sandy said. And there you go. So Amos. Amos chapter 8, while you're doing that, because I want to make sure that you find this passage of Scripture, I don't always announce titles to messages, but as I was thinking about this different things I jotted down, last thing I came up with is, what on earth is going on for heaven's sake? <laughs> what on earth is going on for heaven's sake? Or you might want to say, what on earth is going on for heaven's sake? I believe that God ordains all things. He has a plan, nothing catches God off guard. So whatever's going on, we need to be aware of it, and we need to realize that he said in his word that all things work together for the good of those that, that are, love God and that are called according to his purpose. So um, we can align with that. Today in, in the book of Amos chapter 8 verse 9, I think it's a very important passage of scripture for the time frame that we're living in as far as we're looking at this total solar eclipse that's coming August the 21st, which is tomorrow. And Amos writes in verse 9, he says, In that day, everybody say, "in in that day. How about saying, maybe tomorrow. Is the Word of God alive? Is it real? Something that was written 2,700 years ago, would that be, you think that could apply tomorrow in Alvin, Texas? Or wherever, whoever's listening to this on podcast. In that day, declares the Sovereign Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon, or 1, or 11, wherever you are. I'll make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. Jump down to verse 11. The days are coming. Everybody say, the days are coming. That means that it's not the end of the world if there's more days coming, right? Okay. The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land. Not a famine of food. Or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Wow, you might want to underline that if you can. A famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Verse 12, people will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east. Oh, can I pause there just for a second? It just so happens that this eclipse is going from sea to sea, from coast to coast, from the west to the east, and actually from the north to the east. I just think that's kind of interesting how Amos would have written that, you know, so many years ago. He says, people will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. In that day, the lovely young women and strong young men will faint because of thirst. Those who swear by the sin of Samaria. So there's some interesting things there. We'll take a look at, uh, as we go through here, the sin of Samaria. You can be thinking about that, see what that is, because we need to recognize that. We don't want that to sneak up on us and get us. And uh, for all of you that aren't beautiful young women or whatever you said there, and, and young men, we, we don't have to worry about fainting, do we? <laughs> <clears throat> so what on earth is God doing for heaven's sake? A solar eclipse. You know, it might seem like an odd occurrence. Um, But, you know, it's really no secret to God. Again, 2,700 years ago, God was speaking this through Amos. Many times we find in his word about a solar eclipse. Um, You know, the author of of the Bible, they they knew about these things. They wrote it down under the inspiration and direction of God. And uh, the Bible says that a day with the Lord is as a 1,000 years, or a 1,000 years is as a day with the Lord, you know. In fact, the other day I was praying, I I was asking the Lord, Lord, when are you going to answer that prayer? And he said, oh, in a day or two. Wait a minute. (laughs) Which day are you talking about? A thousand years or what? But, you know, nothing catches him off guard. And um, he knows exactly what needs to take place tomorrow, the next week, the next month. And um, we know from Scripture that that God uses signs and wonders in heaven. And uh, he uses them to communicate with people. So this is what we have to look at as we, we... take a look at this, this topic, the this solar eclipse. I was, really thought I was going to preach on this last Sunday, and I, as those of you that were here, the Lord didn't allow me to. And so this week I was thinking, well, Lord, what's up? Now uh, everything's going to be out there. There's so much stuff now on this. How many of you have been hearing stuff on the news about to the solar eclipse? Raise your hand. All right. What about YouTube? Anybody been going over to YouTube and looking at some stuff on YouTube? Raise your hands. All right. So trying to find out what's going on. It's, it's pretty unique. Um, So, you know, the Bible, uh, it points out certain things, and we need to, we can always go to the Word of God to find answers to whatever the circumstances or situation is that we're living in. We ought to always look up rather than necessarily looking down. In fact, you know that scientists are are discovering now that when they were trying to predict earthquakes and various things like that, they were always trying to look at these other things. Now they just look up, and as they can look at the sun and, and the certain patterns of the sun and certain rotations and various things of that... Uh, they're able to predict things more accurately. In fact, you know, it just amazes me how they can track this solar eclipse to the very minute and second that it's going to touch, you know, hit the, the west coast. Isn't that amazing? So it's from years of examining. And what it tells me is that God has set things so perfectly in order that Man can track it, and he can write it down, and he can count on it. You know, I don't have to worry about if the sun's going to come up tomorrow morning or not. I know it is. I know it's always going to come up in the east. It's always going to set in the west, although it will look like in, from Oregon tomorrow that the sun comes up, and then it goes back down, and the sun's coming up in the west instead of the east. It's going to be kind of weird. But one thing we can always count on, I know that if I jump out of a tree that I'll hit the ground below because of gravity. It's always there. There are certain laws. There are certain principles. There are certain things that God has set in order. Some of the things we don't even realize, like that the moon has to be tilted at five degrees, just perfect, and so that as it does, that it swings around, and every once in a while, it'll come in the line just perfectly, and God works things out that way. We don't have to be frightened by it. We don't have to be concerned about it. We ought to really be thrilled about how God can... Or God has done things like that, that He's the creator. You know, I've talked to different people about, and of course, through college and school, you know, the, the evolution theory and various things like that, where, uh, you know, trying to figure out how things evolved. And like the, the one kid asked the teacher, said, Well, if we evolved from the monkeys, how come we still have monkeys? You know, how come all these things are still hanging around that we evolved from? They're still there. One thing that we can see is, is a designer, a master designer who has designed all these things, and we can see his fingerprints, his signature on all these things around us. And that's kind of what we can look at and examine as we take a look at this solar eclipse. Uh, My mother-in-law lives in Topeka, Kansas, and the path of totality, y'all know what that's talking about, Uh, you know, where you can actually see the total eclipse. It's about a 67-mile path that comes through. She's just not very far from there at all in Topeka, Kansas. St. Joseph, Missouri is just a little ways from her getting into that pathway. I told Sandy, I said, we ought to drive up there. And I'm thinking, they say like 200 million people are going to be traveling, trying to get to this, you know, all the various ways. I'm like, eh, I don't think so. I'll just check it out from here. <laughs> but um, one person has said that when there is a total solar eclipse, it is a warning to a specific nation or nations depending on its path. What do you think about that? You know, history shows a definite result. If you go back in history and look at some of the major or total solar eclipses and you see things that happened right after there, it's pretty amazing. We don't have time to go into all that today. If you want to know more about it, call me up, send me an email or a text or something like that. We'll talk about it. But it's just pretty amazing to see what has happened after some of these events have taken place. Um, And so, you know... uh, I don't know, if, Christian. If you have any slides back there or whatever that you want to throw some up through here as we're talking about it, but if you do, you want to just go ahead and throw it in there. But let me ask you this: Do you think that this eclipse tomorrow, August the twenty-first, is God sending a warning? You think that might be Him sending a warning, or you just think, "No, oh, it's just happening." Kind of have a mixed opinion, and that's fine. Some people are calling this twenty seventeen years the year of the great. American eclipse. I guess we'll know later, if we're still here. Now, you know, as far as rapture goes, that there's really nothing that left that needs to be fulfilled for the rapture. Uh, now, there's a lot, There's some things that need to take place where Jesus said, you know, and then the end shall come, meaning the end, uh, but we're not at the end yet. We know that that's at least seven years on, on forward. I'm not going to try to get into too much of that this morning either, but... Um, In case you haven't heard, there is going to be an eclipse tomorrow, and it's going to take place at 1716 Universal Time, which is here in Alvin is about 116, probably get to us about 117 or 118. You know, they don't know if it's traveling. Well, I've heard from 1,700 miles an hour to 1,500 miles an hour. You know that they they ought to nail that down someplace since they got it to the exact minute and second that it's going to hit the West Coast, you know. Anybody... (laughs) I don't know where they get the, the variables on that, but um, but this is special, and so maybe you've heard that on the news as they've been announcing that this is special this this time because it's going to be over land for such a long time. A lot of times it's over land, just a little portion over land, and then out into the ocean or whatever. So you know, it's not it's hard to see. And uh, Dr. Angela Speck, she's the director of astronomy at the University of Missouri. And she, here's a quote from her. I, I happened to just catch this on TV. I thought, oh man, and I jotted this down as she was saying this. She said, this will be the most watched celestial event ever. And I thought, really? And I could think, well, yeah, I guess that's true because it's going to be over land for such a long time and uh, within such populated areas. And so she said, this is going to be the most watched celestial event ever. She goes on to say, people have not had the opportunity to do or see this before. Over 220 million people are in this pathway and they said they don't know how many more are gonna travel trying to get there. And people from all over the world come to uh to, to take in this event. She goes on to say it's almost tailor made. That got my attention, that's why I thought, whoa, I gotta spread this It's almost tailor made to reach the most Americans imaginable. Wow. Really? What else you got to say, Angela? <laughs> said, it's almost tailor-made to reach the most Americans imagine, imaginable. It crosses from Oregon to South Carolina. And then she goes on to say, over one half of the nation can reach the path of the eclipse within a day's drive. So, wow. Pretty amazing. Never happened before. So, what do I, you know, what's my position on this? So I'm like, okay, Lord. See, I, I, if you remember around the first of the year, we we're talking about different things that are going to happen in 2017. I, I've said that we're going to have a total, total eclipse this year. People have known about it, known about it for a long time. I've wondered, okay, Lord, what part, what am I supposed to do? How do, we, how do we look at this? Is this going to be something, you know, catastrophic? Or what part am I supposed to play in this? And all I got was Ezekiel 33. So turn to Ezekiel 33. I'll express then my responsibility here, my obligation, and then we'll move on. In Ezekiel 33... It says, the word of the Lord came to me, and then Ezekiel quotes what God said. Son of man, speak to your people and say to them, when I bring the sword against a land, everybody say a land, Amen. and the people of the land, choo- uh, and they choose one of their men and make him their watchman, and he sees the sword coming against the land and blows the trumpet to warn the people, then if anyone hears the trumpet but does not heed the warning and the sword comes." "...and takes their life, their blood will be on their own head. Since they heard the sound of the trumpet but did not heed the warning, their blood will be on their own head. But if they had heeded the warning, they would have saved themselves. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people, and the sword comes and takes someone's life, that person's life will be taken because of their sin, but I will hold the watchman accountable for their blood." So I've got a responsibility here. As a watchman, step in that that role, things are happening. I believe that uh, these events, they're not just... I I believe that God uses them and that he is trying to speak something and we'll, we'll talk about that as we go on. And so it's my responsibility to sound that alarm, let you make that decision and you decide, hey, and if something happens, then we're on a... You know, we've done what we've decided to do, right? We stand before God with that. If things... Or, or smooth sailing, that's fine too, right? So I'm just going to sound a little warning today. Um, you know, you're probably already sick of hearing all this stuff about about this, this solar eclipse, but we'll throw out some of these little facts here, you know. Um, th- there's really too much prophetic meaning in this whole thing to even to go into detail. We'd have to take several weeks to take a look at this. I mean, there's things even where this... With this aligning, there's going to be more stars and stuff aligning in in the constellations. In Leo, which is, you know, we can look at as the line of the tribe of Judah. And then Virgo, which is the woman. And, you know, there's the Revelation 12 woman. Anybody heard about that? And about how, the, you know, the, for the sun and the moon and all those things. Those are going to line up. So, you know, there's so much that we could talk about prophetically. But we can't, we can't do that today. We don't have enough time to do that today. But in light of Ezekiel 33... Here's just a few a little discoveries that you can jot down, a little tidbits, a little fun facts. Um, first of all, this solar eclipse begins in the 33rd state, which is Oregon, and it comes over their the capital city. It starts there in Salem, Oregon, but the 33rd state, and it ends in South Carolina on the 33rd parallel. The eclipse occurs on the 233rd day of the year, uh, which is close to the 33rd week of 2017. Anybody hearing a certain redundant Number being mentioned here, uh, an eclipse like this hasn't happened for 99 years. So of course we could divide 99 by three, and get 33. So you know, there's a lot of things like that 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 you can pull out of. But does that mean anything? You know, the the Jewish people, and, and I believe that you know God gave these things. He's speaking to the Jewish nation. But you know, we're all kind of lumped in here, and we we need to heed these things as well. God works on His calendar. And, um, you know, they have a thing about what they call Dermatria, gem, uh, I think I'm pronouncing that right, of where they assign a certain numerical value to each one of their letters or symbols that they use for letters. And so you can always you can add the, the words up. You can take a word and you can add up its value and it also has certain symbols and stuff. And so since we, you know, 33, uh, it comes up so much, that's the equivalent for amen, which is pretty amazing because everything that's going to happen is like, amen, let it happen, amen. Amen, there it comes. It's where it starts, where it goes, it's the time that it happens and everything. Uh, amen, 33, let it come on. The other thing is that the eclipse is, is also exactly 40 days from Yom Kippur. Now, this is what makes it, this is what starts to get your attention is when these things line up with God's calendar and his timetable, that's when we need to say, what, what? I mean, they're going to happen, but when they line up with certain things that God has has established as far as his festivals and things, we might need to take a little closer look at, at it. So this eclipse is always is already it, it it comes and it takes place exactly forty days before Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. Uh, it you know forty represents the the period of testing in the Bible. We know that. The children of Israel were in the wilderness for 40 years. Jesus was tested for 40 days in the wilderness. So it's a time of testing. So this 40 days from the time this eclipse happens until Yom Kippur, which is the day of atonement when we ask God to forgive us of our sins, there's a time of of testing and examining that we need to examine ourselves and see where we are. Now, I think this is broader than just individually. I think it's going to be a look. I'll just throw some things out here now at America to see what America's response is going to be. 40 days. So you say, well, do you believe that the eclipse is the end of the world? No, but wait 40 days and see what's up. <laughs> well, where are you going to go? Where, where are you going to run? If it's, hey, if it's the end of the world, where do you go? You better go to your knees. <laughs> That's why I, when we lived in Tulsa, they had the Spartan School of Aeronautics that there, they built uh, or taught uh, mechanics for airplanes and helicopters and stuff. One of the guys that was going to our church he was uh, being trained on as an air uh, as a helicopter pilot. I said, "Man, I always wanted to fly helicopters." He said, "Really? Why?" I said, "I just thought it'd be cool. You know, you could set it down in your front yard, take off, and go wherever you want to." He says, "Well, you know, a helicopter." He says, "You know, all those rotors up there—they they all connected with that one nut." I said. Well, I never really thought about it, but I guess that's true. He, he said, you know what they call that one nut? And I said, no. And they said, they call it the Jesus nut. And I said, oh, really? Why is that? He said, because if that thing comes loose, you say, oh, Jesus. You know, so that's kind of like the way that it is. You know, it's like if it's the end of the world, I mean, what are you going to do? You know, oh, Jesus, you know, we better look up and you better get right with God, right? Well, so a lot of these things are kind of interesting. You know, the 40 days right before Yom Kippur and um, uh, then also it's the... Um, Trying to look at some of these little fun facts here, maybe skip through some of them. It's a period of time between this August to 21st, it's called the season of uh teshuva. So my Hebrew isn't really good. It's probably all the Oaky accent and Texas uh accent that I have, but uh, it's the season season of Teshuvah, And in the Jewish faith, it's a time to get right with God. It's that 40 days of when you know that, that Yom Kippur is coming. It's a day of reckoning where you have to give an account. And so it's a time to get right with God. So uh, how do you feel about that? What do you think? He's like, okay, well, I don't know. Kind of let that slide or push that off for the Jewish people. By the way, it's not going over their country. Thank the Lord it's not coming over Alvin. I would really be concerned if (laughs) it's No, no, hey, um, we're here. And uh, anytime it's so specifically, and this is the only country that it's going across, I don't know some things we need to look at. So in other words, repent before time's up. Or they, wait, they used to say, "It's turn or burn." One of those things. Amen. Can I get a thirty-three out there? Anybody? <laughs> The statistics are coming in, too, is that it's been 99 years since a total eclipse has crossed the entire United States. So you can look back and see the patterns there. Here's what's interesting about it. You know that in seven years from now, there's going to be another, if we're here, there's going to be another total eclipse that comes, right? Do you guys know that? Have you heard that yet? So this one's coming from the northwest. Well, oh, I guess I'll do it this way so that it'll be right for you guys. So the northwest corner although I might not be standing in that particular. But it's going to come from uh, Oregon all the way through to South Carolina. It's going to cross the whole United States like this. Then in 2024, another one's going to come. See if I can do this. Let me get around here. And it's going to come up this way and go across. And it makes an X. (laughs) X marks the spot. I had to go to Google satellite and find out where that was. Here's what's interesting. You know, this one starts, as it comes into Oregon, it crosses over Salem, it's the first place that it goes. Of course, that's short for Jerusalem. There's a couple other Salems involved. The second one that comes up, the closest road to get to that, the actual X there, is Salem Road. I, there's a connection somewhere here. But uh, also in the, Jew, in the Hebrew language, the, uh, the word, I, I think it's, again, my pronunciation, my Hebrew is really, really bad. Pav, it's T-V-E, uh, and it's, when you take that and you break out each letter to look at it, it uh, really means sign, and when they would see that word, they would see sign, and the, there was a, uh, the picture that went along with that, you know, they draw the draw, the picture for that last word alphabet, which is a word, which is a sign, everybody still following me? This is in the ancient Hebrew, uh, would be like, so if Jeff and I we sold, I sold some property to Jeff, and he gives me a contract. And so I signed my name. Well, you know how they have, you know, put your X right here. It was was it was an X. And so the sign was an X. And so I don't know, I was just kind of like going, what? When I saw that seven years later, there's going to be another total eclipse is going to come up, and it's going to make it a Tav right across the United States. X marks the spot. There's that's the sign. Hey, if you didn't get it the first time, we, Probably ought to be paying attention to what's going on. Think God is trying to say something to America. So, you know, the fact that there's going to be two solar eclipses, space seven years apart, that cross the entire United States, that form an X, (laughs) and uh, over the most powerful nation in the world, it ought to really give us a little bit of a pause to think about and consider some of the things. What is God trying to say? And we are the most, the wealthiest, most powerful nation, and uh, we used to be the strongest Christian nation. And now, South Korea is sending missionaries to us. You know, of course, they got that little church there of 750,000 people in that church, but you know, they're sending missionaries to America because we need it. Because it's almost like there was a famine of the Word of God in America. Have you heard that before? Seem like. Oh, was that Amos that said that? Yeah, back there in the 8th chapter. Hmm. You know, I mean, America is so amazing in in the role that it plays. And, you know, another little thing is we've got this little um, world government that we host here called the UN, the United Nations, that we allow to take residence in our nation as well. We've got some responsibility here as a country, as a nation. started out with God's blessing. God called this nation. He's just sovereignly moved. We are, I think, miraculously became a nation, but wow, have we walked away from it. And if you would have told me eight years ago the climate, the worldview of today, I would say, there's no way, no way, not in America. Hmm, nope. So, uh, this interesting thing, I mentioned a while ago that, that um, the eclipse starts with there in oregon and as it as that shadow races towards and starts that partial eclipse begins darkness begins to come and that's you know about it can be about an hour before it actually hits land where the totality hits as that's coming toward uh oregon towards salem oregon the same time in jerusalem israel darkness is falling at sunset and at the same time when darkness hits america darkness hits israel at the very same time ah that's just coincidence you know what the rabbis say about coincidence, don't you? They say coincidence is not kosher. <laughs> There's no coincidence in God. America and Israel going dark at the same time. You see, back in Daniel chapter 9, this might be some, you might, don't read this before you go to bed at night, but you might want to read this, you know, if you want to stay awake. But in chapter 9 of Daniel, God begins to tell Daniel this thing about 70 weeks of years. In other words, 70 sets of seven years each, so a week being, instead of days being years, that he was going to allow that to be a time of trouble or testing and trial for the nation of Israel because they had walked away from his purposes and, and what he had told them to do. And, and they had, in a sense, um, you know, was an adulterous nation. And so God says because of that, then trial is coming upon you. It says in Daniel chapter 9, it says that it starts out with this real poetic Words which in prophecy you look back and you see definite time frames, but it says, you know, there were seven sevens, and then the wall was the decree for the wall to be built was built, and then there were 62 sevens. And when the anointed one came through, then it was cut off, then that was the end of that. Well, if you add those up, that's 69 sevens, so there's still one seven left, which we know as the seven years tribulation that's going to come upon the whole world. It's left, it's being held out there. Between Daniel 9.27, or Daniel 9.26 and 9.27, because after you see that, it talks about the Antichrist appearing and all this stuff that's going to take place, but that didn't take place way back when Jesus rode through that gate into Jerusalem that day and then was crucified. What's happened is, is that Israel had an opportunity to receive the Messiah, but as we know, they rejected him. And so God did something miraculous. And the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, that through the church... That God now was going to make his manifold wisdom known. So, God has pulled back Daniel 9, between Daniel 9, 26, and 27, and he's inserted the entire church age into that point. The Apostle Paul says, All the apostles and prophets never knew this. They didn't know it before. He said, But now it's been revealed to me. So, when Daniel was prophesying, he's writing out these things, he just writes it and he sees, you know, going on through and he starts to write about even the prophetic part of it. That's still held out here because right now we've been allowed to come in as the church, the Gentiles. We've been grafted in. God brought us into this thing. But God has a better memory than my dad. And my dad used to, when he said, say, I'm going to get you a whipping when you get home. <laughs> Man, sometimes it was a long time before we got home. You know, I thought, he's forgot about it. <laughs> Pretty soon, he's like, hey, come on in here. Oh, boy, here we go. And he always remembered that... Uh, promise that He made to, of correction. Let me tell you, God hasn't forgotten about that seven years of tribulation. We know that that's coming. We have a promise that that gives has been given to uh, the Philadelphia church, the writings in the book of Revelation that because you've kept the word of my patience, He says, and you've not denied my name, I'll keep you from that hour of trial that's coming upon the whole world. So we have this promise that if we're living just, and we're loving Him, we're looking and, and just Desiring him, just as the, the children of Israel should have been, the nation of Israel should have been, watching for their Messiah. Uh, but they got to look into all these other things. But if we step into that and say, you know what, I'm watching for the bridegroom, the Messiah. And, and I just love you. If we're doing that, he says to those, if you're longing and loving my appearing, he says, you know what, there's a catching away. There's a, a rapture. The Lord himself, it says in First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 16, you can follow along, for the Lord himself. Shall descend from heaven with a shout. Just like the husband, when he would come, or, or the, the bridegroom would come and he would shout to his uh, espoused wife, and he would shout to her and she'd come out to meet him. That was a picture, he says. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. That's what I'm looking for. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. We go through this 40 days going towards uh, Yom Kippur. I'm not afraid. I want to come, and I want to come before his throne. And and I want him to search me and, and see if there's anything in me that I need to get rid of. That I can be, you know, because I love him. And when you're in that position that you're loving him, it's not a fearful thing to go before the judgment seat of Christ. In fact, Paul says that you know we'll all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to to receive what's been you know either good or bad for what we've done here in this life. If we've built upon this foundation you know that, he, that has been given to us with uh, you know out of the divine things you know gold, silver, and precious stones which are symbolic, or wood, hay, and stubble, it says it's all going to be tried in fire. Well, if you set a match to wood, hay, and stubble, it goes right up. You set a match to gold, silver, and precious stones. If anything, if it does melt it, it just purifies it, right? So in our divine life, what we do in our life while we're here on the earth should be for eternity. You know, and so that doesn't mean, I, I, I used to think, you know, I was a teenager, I hear this, man, there's no fun left now. <laughs> I guess I guess I'm won't be left behind. Because, you know, that don't sound like fun. Boy, did I not understand, you know, living for Christ and and. Doing those things that are laid up for all eternity, witnessing, seeing someone come to the Lord, living a life before someone that they can desire to to live for Christ, whatever that is. And you know what? People always think that Christians can't have fun. Really, man? You need to hang out with us a little bit. Charlie was talking about barbecuing, and I mean, we have a good time. We have a lot of fun. And when you wake up the next morning, you feel great. You don't have some, <laughs> ugh, you know, and you hadn't maybe had your face in a white porcelain container that wasn't made for a face you know i mean you can have a lot of fun as a christian you know what i'm saying and it's amazing but so let's look at this why why the sun and the moon god why don't you just say okay america well maybe he has but nobody's been listening he does that through his you know ministers and through the the ministry gifts apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers but you know we're just fanatics you know we We do not know anything. Look in Genesis chapter 1 verse 14. Let's find out what he said. Genesis chapter 1 verse 14. This is important because we need to know this so we know how God works and what he does. Genesis chapter 1 verse 14. says, And God said, now this was on the fourth day. Just those of you that want to know that. (laughs) And God said, let there be lights. Everybody say lights. Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. And, he goes on to say, and let them serve as what? Signs Signs to mark seasons and days and years. Let them, them being, let these lights serve as signs. Now that's where we find out what he's meaning here. This sign, the way that this Hebrew word what it means is it's uh, something whose, uh, let me just read the definition to you something whose uh, presence or occurrence indicates the probable presence or occurrence or event of something else. Do you get that? So, in other words, if you have this here and, you know, its presence here or its happening here or whatever it's doing tells us that it's there warning us of something else that might be coming a sign. It says it's a notice. Anybody ever got a notice? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a notice conveying information or instruction. It's advanced notification. There we go. All right, you got 40 days. <laughs> you got 40 days to turn some things around. How about that? When you woke up this morning to come to church, did you think you are going to hear that? hey, thank God for 40 days. I mean, I've done a lot of funerals over my 40 years of ministry. A lot of those people didn't have any any advance notice. No advance notice. 40 days. So it's advance notice, uh, again, conveying information or instruction, warning, a declaration of one's intention, to declare one's intention, make it known, uh, make one's intention something of what they're doing or, or what's likely to occur. And then uh, this definition says that uh, such can be a sign, a moon, can be a sign to mark certain seasons. You know, that's what he said. So it's certain seasons. But this, now we have to look at this thing, season. And the, the Hebrew word there is moedim. And moedim doesn't mean like winter, spring, summer, and fall. Moedim means festivals, convocations, where you gather together, where God brings things together and says, okay, this is an event, this is what's happening, so, so this is what I'm going to do at this particular time, okay? So that's what, what the, the Hebrew word is used there, is moedim. So seasons, or uh, signs for certain seasons, there's a forewarning that at this season something's going to happen, or God's going to do a certain thing. Everybody follow me? So we see that the sun can be a sign, the moon can be a sign. They're they're there to mark out the moedim or the the festives or the convocations where God gathers people together. One person says that uh, in the Hebrew it's kind of like it's a dress rehearsal. So we're gonna we're having an event. You know, it's like when they do the, the Easter Rama. Well, they have practice. You know, leading up to when they're gonna actually do the event. But now then we're having these practices leading up to that. So a lot of times, in fact, all down through history, when the Jewish people would have the Passover. That was really, it was a dress rehearsal for what was going to happen, and they should have recognized that one day the Messiah is going to come. But when the Messiah came, all that dress rehearsal, they missed it. And so there was all things to remind them, to let them know that something's happening up here, so don't miss it. But they missed it. So this is coming to let us know that something is about to happen, and we don't want to miss it. Is everybody still with me? So the Bible says that suns, the sun is a sign; the moon can be a sign. It can be a declaration of one's intention, or something, something about of, of something that's about to happen, or, or likely to happen, if something else isn't done. Now that's always nice about it. God gives you a warning, and it's like you do this, okay. If you don't, this is already going. This is this is what's going to take place. In Luke chapter twenty-one, verse twenty-five. Now the same word is used in the Greek. Of course, it's a different. I mean. It's uh, kairos, which means uh, uh, an opportune time. It's uh, due time, kairos, not the uh, chronos, click, 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 second by second, minute by minute, you know, but kairos, meaning an opportune time, and Jesus used it a lot. In fact, in, in Luke chapter 21, verse 25, he says, there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. So he was saying, hey, there's going to be some seasons. There's going to be signs of certain things that are happening. It's going to be an opportune time. It's going to be something that if it responded to can be good, but then he also says that, uh, and then on earth, nations will be in anguish. He's talking about nations, and this is a national thing, although we help make up part of that nation. So he says nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the Okay, well, I haven't noticed the Pacific Ocean lately or the Atlantic Ocean or the Gulf. It's not necessarily meaning that sea. A lot of times in, pro- in prophecy, sea in the Bible speaks of nations in turmoil. When there's, it, it speaks of the, the nations of the world. Um, and so there is a lot of turmoil right now, right? Wow. In fact, even in this nation, there's a lot of turmoil. Can you believe it? I mean, the stuff that's going on, some of the stuff in civil rights, I thought we'd settle that back in the 60s. What's going on in this world? What's happening? It's like, has people just gone crazy? Have they gone absolutely crazy? What in the world is going on? It just makes you shake your head. There's, it's, it's, I'm perplexed just thinking about what, what in the world? How is this happening? So we're, we're living in some weird times, some strange times, and something's got to change, people. Something's got to change. And you know where the pressure comes down is for us to change. You know? You just got to be more tolerant. Don't be such a, you know, closed-minded bigot. You know, you just need to be accepting of everybody. Wait a minute. I accept everyone. People say, well, well what do you think about the gay, lesbian, transgender, bi? I said, I don't love them. Amen. God loves them. Yeah. He hates the sin. Yeah. He loves the sinner. Yeah. And don't look so shocked. Every one of us, We're sinners. You say, by grace, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves every person on the face of the earth. He hates the sin. The judgment doesn't come necessarily for the person. It's for that sin. If you turn. In fact, if you read through the Bible, he said, if you turn from your wicked ways, if you'll turn from your wicked ways, he said, I'm giving you 40 days to change, to Turn. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. And then, he it it talks about what's being offered up in this place. Wow, that's what I want. I want our land healed. We need healing in our land. You know, you can all... We can always point out what's wrong. What's wrong? There's always something wrong. You know why? Because we're in charge of it and we're not perfect. Something's always going to be wrong. But you know what? We need healing on our land. And I think God has said, I've had enough. I've had enough. I don't know about you, but America plays a great role in this world. And also in prophecy and for Israel. Now... We identify with Israel, and we ought to, and we ought to, we ought to, from what God tells us to do. But, you know, there's some parts of, with Israel that I don't want to identify with. I mean, that last, that, seven, that 70th year, week, no, I don't want to be identifying with that. Y'all, y'all go right on ahead about your bad self. It does say, about time of Jacob's trouble, which is Israel, it's your trouble, not my trouble. I want to love the Lord. I want to be out of here <laughs> when all that's happening. And we can do that. There's a promise given to us for that. So, you know, the disciples asked for a sign, and he's talked about it, and, oh, man, we could spend weeks just right here, you know, here, right here, right here, right here. Jesus talked to, you know, the Pharisees come up. You know, they were so into looking for signs that they missed the Messiah. You know, sometimes we can be that way, too. We're always looking. He said, you know what? Signs ought to follow them that believe. When they come up and say, well, would you give us a sign? He said, you. He just kind of told them, what he thought about him, he said, the only sign you're gonna get is the sign of Jonah. Now, we miss out on that. You know, back there was such a uh, some large events that happened before Jonah ever got to Nineveh. Did you know Nineveh was right? Has anybody ever heard of the town Mosul? Where that little band of brothers, Isis, were hung out for a couple of years and about destroyed it. Mosul is here on the map. Nineveh is right there, and so there's been stuff going on there for many, many years, but God called, we know, he called Jonah to go, and Jonah said, I ain't going, I don't like him, I don't want to go, and so he did his thing. Well, while he was doing his thing, God always prepares a way. He sends a plague over Nineveh and that whole area, and they're like, oh, you know, and they start working on some change. He sends some civil war and, and some hardships. And then he sends this, are you ready for it? Total uh, solar eclipse that goes, they're in totality, right in the path of Nineveh. And they go, like, oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, we got to do something. So when Jonah shows up, have you read about Jonah? He's just grabbing, I don't want to go to them. I hate them people. I don't want to go over there anyway. He walks into town like... Well, I'm here, but I don't want to be here, so you either just need to change your lives or God's going to do something. And he's like, he could care less. And he starts to turn his back, and the whole town repents. Oh, yes, that's what we've been waiting for. Why? Because they already had some signs coming. They were ready to repent. So what Jesus was saying, he said, the only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah. Now, when he hung on the cross, what happened? You remember that day? Solar eclipse. And then... He was in the belly of the well or in the earth for three days. and three. So he was talking about, you know, what you're going to get, you'll get a sign. They've read about that sign, that solar eclipse. Pretty amazing thing. Well, so here we are at the great American eclipse that it will probably be called. Let me tell you something, people, there are some things to be concerned about. Uh, man, we're running out of time. Um, I have this clip from Fox News with what's that guy's name? Uh, one of their main announcers in the afternoon, and um, he's talking about this fault line. What, we, what a lot of people don't realize is when this solar eclipse comes in, he comes over the Cascadia fault line, which is a large earthquake fault line that's actually even larger than the San Andreas fault. Comes right across that. Anybody ever heard of that little park named Yellowstone? Do you know what's there? The super volcano. What did you say? Super volcanoes there. Which was, you know, and it's been, they've been wondering what's going on. They've been trying to watch this thing's been swelling up. And then it goes across and it just cuts right across the most, and I wish I had the slides for it, but the most active earthquake zones in the United States. Get on. You can Google it. Get on there and look, and it comes right across. Oh, I keep going from my left. I need to go from your left. Right across from that Cascadia fault, down through across Yellowstone, all the way down some other areas and where they're doing all the pipeline fracking and all that stuff. Anybody ever heard of the New Madrid fall line? It's right there in Illinois. Actually, if we could look at a map where... The, the two solar eclipses are going to come across like, like that and mark the spot, X marks the spot, which is right there. Well, you can, you can find it real easy because the Mississippi River runs there and the Ohio River comes down. And they're real concerned about it. In fact, Google this. The U.S. Navy has a map out of what the new continental United States is going to look like, the three parts of it. Because when that fault at the New Madrid fault line, when it busts, they have had an earthquake there, it's been years ago, when the Mississippi River ran backwards. The mighty Mississippi ran backwards. Look it up, check it out. When that hits, it fractures all these rivers, even the the Red River from Oklahoma, (laughs) it goes over there. They bust that, that thing busts open, and even from the Great Lakes, here's this big flood that comes down to the Gulf. And the continent parts into three pieces. Now we could go into Isaiah, oh, what is it, 17, what it talks about, the smooth-skinned people. With, uh, it talks about, where many people in prophecy talk about that that's America, the American people, and various things like that. It talks about bringing them into prophecy about this nation. They are, the government's ready for it. FEMA's ready for it. The U.S. Navy already has maps about it. These things aren't something that's hidden. All this stuff is just so fragile. Now, I don't know about you, but I do know that the moon controls tides and stuff like that, and I would think that if you mix them together, that it could be quite a pull. But, you know, if we really wanted to get a little nervous here, we could take a look at that. Do you have that one with the, um, what is that guy's name? Run it anyway. We'll find out here. Fox, the Fox News thing. We might have to stop it, but we'll watch some of it.
1: I read a stunning article by Catherine Schultz in The New Yorker this week. And frankly, if I lived right now in the Pacific Northwest, I'd be considering moving. Seriously. The gist of it is this. The federal government estimates 13,000 Americans will die in a major earthquake and tsunami in the Pacific Northwest. It's not a question of whether, but when. This earthquake is coming, and it's overdue. Consider that the magnitude 9.0 earthquake in Japan just a few years ago, remember that? killed more than 15,000 people in the north of Japan and injured thousands of others. Seismologists say that the quake that will strike on our Pacific Northwest coastline should be even stronger at up to a 9.2. They call such a quake a margin rupture quake, and it's every bit as bad as it sounds. Here's the reason for it. Our entire continent sits on the North American tectonic shelf, right? Plate, I should say off the coast of the Pacific Northwest from the top of Washington State all the way down to Northern California. This is it. And another plate called the Juan de Fuca Salem. is trying to slide up under See North America, but it's it's stuck. We have an illustration over here in the big wall. Let me show you what this is. This is our continent here. These, the, this is the Cascada Mountains. This is the Cascadia, what do they call it, the Cascadia what? Bridge. The Cascadia Bridge. I, I was actually asking him, but thank you. The North American plate here and the Juan de Fuca plate here. This one's sliding up under, and eventually this is going to go down, send a huge wall of water up, that wall will go all the way over to Japan, and the other will come onto our, onto our shore within 15 minutes. And when it slips, it will unleash not only a colossal earthquake, but also that tsunami, 700 miles long, and in some places up to a 100-foot high wall of water and whatever it's pushing, like houses and dump trucks and, and, and schools thousands and thousands will not escape. The New Yorker quotes a FEMA official who says, and I quote, our operating assumption is that everything west of Interstate 5 will be toast. Everything west of Interstate 5 is gone. That's Seattle, Tacoma, Portland and Olympia, Salem and Eugene, wiped out altogether about 7 million people. That's not including tourists. So think of summertime. The New Yorker reports that FEMA calculations indicate The disaster will damage or destroy about a million buildings, including 3,000 schools and one-third of all fire stations. And perhaps the worst part of all of this, these sorts of earthquakes happen at regular intervals in exactly this part of the world, have forever. On average, according to seismologists, about every 240 years. So when was the last one of these, these massive 9.2 or so earthquakes? Well, the last one was more than 300 years ago, the year 1700. It struck in the Pacific Northwest and send a 600-foot wave of water all the way to Japan. So right now, on average, the Pacific Northwest is decades overdue for the really, really big one. Michio Kaku is a uh, physicist and professor at City College of New York. This article is stunning. Is it over... over You guys can can Google that and and watch all
0: that wonderful news. Uh, There's a lot of stuff out there. Is it going to happen? Yeah, someday it's going to happen. You know... And here's the thing, if we worry about all this stuff, we wouldn't get anything done but worry, right? Uh, It will happen. Like I said, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Thank God we live here. say, well, what's going to happen when that breaks loose on that New Madrid? Well, let's just say you might have some beachfront property. (laughs) Maybe we might. It gets real close. You know, boy, there's so much (laughs) to talk about and we if the lord leads us to to talk on this next week we'll go ahead and do that but the main thing here is that um god's given us a warning i would encourage you for the next 40 days you see as we go into the jewish calendar the jewish calendar is directed by the moon and the julian calendar the one that everybody else follows is directed by the sun it's interesting that the moon covers the sun god's saying wait a minute you you have all your stuff planned. i'm going to show you my calendar that i've planned out before the foundation of the world it can supersede any events when i get ready for my complications to happen uh i think we need to get serious about our prayer you know Few weeks back now, how long has it been now? Tim was it six weeks ago. I, the Lord really prompted us to go all in. I mean, He was trying to give us a forewarning before any of this even came up. We need to get serious about praying, about inviting somebody to come. People can come to church. It's not about just. If you notice, we don't have any attendance boards that we change out and that we're. But being concerned about people. If, for instance, what if, what if, that just that. The, the Cascadia that we just looked at, what if that broke loose and they had an earthquake? Did you know you can get online and there's a guy that's it's on there, it's, he's live all the time, and he's showing all the earthquakes around the world. You don't want to watch that very often. I mean, oh yeah, well that's just a 4.7. It's like, what? And while I was watching them, they had an earthquake in Oklahoma City, a, a five point something other. Sure enough, they did. A lot of it's from of the oil wells and the fracking that's being drilled and all that, which can contribute to a lot of different things but anyway what if that happened on the west coast which just triggered enough that might maybe let's say Yellowstone doesn't hit but something happens over in that new New Madrid area I mean we had a we had a hurricane down here what 2008 or something like that I mean that was devastating enough so these things can, can happen. Do we live in fear? No. Uh, we we ought to get up every morning thanking God for what we have and for his provision for us and then looking for someone to share the good news with. You don't have to go out and scare people to death. Very rarely, If you're visiting with us today, you can ask anybody around. I don't come in every, every Sunday trying to scare people to death. I don't try to scare you into <laughs> salvation, whatever. I mean, we're pretty happy-go-lucky right here, you know. We're more of an exhorter, but I'm just telling you that if I don't, tell you the reality then i've got a responsibility for that and so you don't have to get out and just go out and try to scare people into getting saved but you know they ought to see something in your life that they would want to you know what's going to happen and what is happening right now and i can you can count on this that there's a famine in this land on the word of god this is what god's saying this is what's going to happen as it comes to now we think oh okay Whew, we dodged the bullet the bullet oh really how long can you make it without real food? And, well, quite a while, but without water. Uh, see, we don't realize the value of the Word of God. And people, there's a famine that's already hitting this land about churches and about the Word of God and of teaching, teaching the truth. One thing that I stand before the Lord, I said, Lord, I, I want to bring the truth. I want to bring your Word to our people. I, I want them to be nourished. It would be just like if I was planning out physical meals for you okay and what kind of a balanced meal that you'd need to be healthy I try to ask god to help me under the direction of the holy spirit to to bring about a spiritual nourishment to you now sometimes it might be man we're having hamburgers again <laughs> and then I'm like, man, we've got to have more steak. And somebody says, man, I'm about to choke on steak. You know, can't we just lighten up a little bit and have some dessert? You know, I mean, so there's got to be a balanced meal. Not everybody's always happy, but yet, wait a minute. We want to have the truth. There's some places that, you know what, we don't want to talk about any of that stuff. We don't want to rock any boats. We don't want to talk about anything that's controversial. Let's just kind of stay in the middle. And in the sense, you know what? You just get starving to death. We're seeing something across this, ne- this country right now that is alarming to me that... Uh, you know i mean churches are are closing down uh, i i thought i jotted down some statistics but i don't see them right now but um i, I think it was like six to ten thousand churches closed down last year pastors are leaving the ministry why well because churches are closing down for one thing others just like you know man we can't make it people are abandoning church why because they can i can pick up church anytime i want to on the internet or my smartphone or whatever. Now, we have got four minutes here. Let me just drift this in. Remember when we read that in there in Amos and we got down to the very last and he says, Because of the sin of Samaria? What happened in Samaria at a time there was the, the kingdom was split, the kingdom of Israel was split, Judah, and then there's the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Jeroboam was king of this. Of, uh, over Judah, and he was afraid that now that there was a change going on that he was going to lose. All of his people were going to go back over to Jerusalem, and he wouldn't have anybody under his direction, and he'd lose his job, which is his wealth, and they'd probably kill him. So he said, you know what? The reason they would want to go back is because they would want to go back to church or go back to the temple or go back to serve the Lord there. So he says, hey, i tell you what. You don't have to, you don't have to go back to d- Jerusalem to do that. We'll build some, we'll build some new t- sanctuary some new temples and we'll even you know build some new statues and stuff and he brought into the the golden calf and they think well maybe that was right at first to hold maybe like the ark of the covenant but what happened was that people began to worship these this golden two golden calves but you think really Well, the thing was, they didn't really know. They didn't have the law. It was kind of like new generations that come in that had never been in church. They don't really know. And so, if you want to be spiritual, you just kind of begin to adapt what's out there, right? And so, they didn't know. And then he said, well, we'll just build these, you know, these new sanctuaries around. And you go, we just want to make it convenient for you. And, uh, well, that's cool. And we can just go in whenever we want to or whenever we don't want to. And and so, it just kind of became like that of where then they just really didn't care. And it's kind of like, well, yeah, it's so convenient and and they were just all messed up. You know, what's happening in America today is just like Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, you don't even know what you worship. She said, well, you say we ought to worship here, and the Samaritans say we ought to worship here. And he said, you don't even know what you worship. He said, God is spirit, and they that worship him worship him in spirit and truth. You know, there's, there's a time where churches are closing down, ministers are leaving you know, leaving the ministry. Maybe they were just hirelings. Maybe they weren't called anyway. You know, I think if you're really called, it doesn't matter. You're going to stay with it. But we're coming, we are coming into an age of where people, even though they they seem like they want to be spiritual, especially the new generations that come in, I'm not picking on millennials, but it did say those beautiful young women and the strong, healthy young guys. I mean, they, sometimes they really don't know. They haven't had a picture of some of the things that maybe some of us have Third generation had and so yeah we want to be spiritual but we just don't know God we don't know how to worship God and so well we'll, we'll pick this and we'll pick that and, and I can do this and I can do that and pretty soon you know we rely upon our podcasts and upon our smartphones and we just don't assemble ourselves together people the, the thing is is you know what you you can get teaching and thank God that we're teaching in different nations through the podcast but you know what a person misses when they're getting that is this this fellowship and if you only come and you just hang out for a couple hours on Sunday morning, you're still missing out. Because you can come in and out of a church for two, three, four, five, six years and maybe see somebody in the passing and really not know them. And sometimes that's why people don't like smaller churches. They don't want everybody knowing their business. Well, they didn't know your business. Well, they you know if I'm there and I'm not there. So what, you got a problem with not being, I mean, what's up with that? I mean, you know, that's between you and God. And so we got, we're into this weird thing here about church and whatever. They said that we have fewer churches. I, this is kind of hard for me to believe, but they said we have fewer churches than we had back in the 50s. I'm like, what? No way. That's Barna Research, and then that's what they're saying. I'm like, okay, well, I have to check your statistics. But you're just talking about this, this vacuum, what's happening, and then well, the word that's being taught. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? You know, we've got to, it's back to the simplicity, the, the simple thing is is we've got to take in God's Word. If you just, if it's just what you get here on Sunday morning, that's not going to do it for you. You need to read His Word. You need to, to enjoy His Word. Find something. It don't matter. It's not about volume. I used to think, oh, I've got to read the Bible through this whole year. And I'd be, and then I'd be doing something, I'm thinking, I'm trying to remember what I read, and I'm trying to hurry up and get that in. At the end of the day, I'm like, okay, Lord, now I've got to get so many prayers in and everything. It's like, What'd you read today? Uh, let's see, what was it? Uh, I read something out of the, the, the Psalms and, and something out of the Gospels, and I read some. And what was it? Uh, 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 I don't know. But I got it all read. I checked it off my list. Got that little thing. I checked it off. Oh, really? How about tomorrow? Just take one verse. How about I just take one verse and meditate upon that tomorrow, and then we'll talk tomorrow night. Really, God? Yeah. Hey. You know, don't, just find some enjoyment in his word and in the saints, you know. Make some friends with people in church. We're going to need him. We need him. I don't know what's going to happen after tomorrow as far as, you know, something's going to happen to that cascade, that, that earthquake, that fault line and the other fault lines, I don't know. If they do, we'll probably be packing up trucks and cars and going helping people. But one thing I do know, is that there is a famine coming on the Word of God. That's a fact. That's happening. And we need to pray. We need to change it. We need to hide His Word in our heart. Someone said the other day, they're going to take all of our Bibles away. What are we going to do when they take all of our Bibles away? I said the same thing that people did. Till seventeen, or till the you know, 1500s, before they even had a Bible. You hide his word in your heart, <laughs> so you might not sin against him. Yeah, they're going to take Bibles away, gonna take stuff away. You know, if that happens, then it happens, but we need to have it in our, in our heart. Could you go out and share? If we all had to come together and say, okay, let's see if we can make a, our own, let's see if we can jot some things down here so we can have a copy of the word. How much do you think we could write down? What would we walk away with at the end of a couple hours? Would we have a chapter, you think? Well, it's getting a little quiet now, huh? You know, we we in, in children's church, we do Bible bowls and kids have memorized scripture and stuff like that. Where are we, adults? Now, you might have, I mean, just get it in. You might have to have it word for word if it doesn't mean anything, but what is he saying? What's he saying to you? So that, you know, you can live that out and that you can, when somebody's asking, you're talking to you about, the trouble that they're in with their marriage or their kids, or, you know, they're trying to raise kids or this or that or, or the addictions that they're going, that they're trying, that they're struggling with. What do you got to share with them? There's a, there's a famine on the Word of God and it's going to get worse. And we're praying. We're going to pray for this nation. The next 40 days, I'm going to be praying for our nation. Come Tuesday night here after the solar eclipse, come and pray. Let's pray. Let's get serious about praying for our country, our nation. You know i don't know what's going to happen we're not based upon outcome we, we have to be obedient and uh but let's do that but in the and the other part is let's be a body of believers this thing about each one reach one is just not some growth gimmick this is a serious thing about multiplying the body of christ getting people in to hear the word and that they'll find something there it's like oh my goodness i've been starving to death I've been starving to death. That I feel like that. I got something. You know what? They ought to get it from each one of us. So bring some people in. You know, read his word. Commit yourself to pray. You know? And also, let me say this. Because it's 12.04, so I'm on my time now. I'm not on the church time. Amen. I'm on. I challenge you to be faithful in your giving. You know? If you give more or you give less, it doesn't make any difference. On I, I'm on a salary here, okay? So you know that. Now, there's some places that aren't. You know, the more you give, pastor, maybe take a little bit more of it, whatever, I end up seeing that. It doesn't have anything to do with it, okay? So I don't get any more or any less, depending on what you do or you don't do. But you know what? You do because God blesses back. If he really has your heart, then you examine yourself and you see where you are in that. I said, why should I do that, Pastor? Because it shows your commitment to the Lord, and God will bless you, and God needs to bless you so you can be a blessing. I've always said I don't need to teach on giving because everybody else and their brother teaches on it. And God said, yeah, but I, you, somebody needs to teach it right. And so I thought, well, that's true. But, you know, God needs us to be a blessing. He wants to bless us so we can be a blessing are you getting that? God wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing. We shouldn't have to wait four or five weeks to get a baptistry in here. When we say we got an $1,800 need, people are be coming up saying, okay, here, here, Pastor, here's a couple hundred bucks. Wow, where'd you get that? I'm living on blessing, man. God blesses me. He wants to bless you and make you so he can make you a blessing. We, we fall into that thing about the blessings of Abraham. Why does he bless you so you can be a blessing to other people? So you can step into their heartache, into their trouble, into their challenges, their difficulties, and you can be a blessing to them. And that's where then they can give glory to God. God wants to do that. So people, we've got a lot of stuff that we need to consider. We've got a lot of things that we need to take a look at and examine in our own hearts. See, where are we with God? Where are we in our walk with God? Am I all in? Am I committed? You know, it's like, okay, wait a minute. Signs and wonders in the heavens here. Maybe I'm out. Or just pause here for a second and just take a look and see Where am I in my walk with God? Where am I in my relationship with Him? And now then, where's this nation? I'm going to pray for this nation. I'm going to pray for this nation. I want to pray for you this morning. Man, there's so much more to share. We'll see what God brings about. But I want to pray for you, and I want you to pray. I want you to examine yourself right now and see where you are. Uh, Will you just bow your heads with me this morning and just ask the Holy Spirit, to help you to examine your heart, your life, your walk, your commitment. If, uh, if you are a child of God, you're a believer, then I want you to pray and ask God to help show you areas of your life that you need to strengthen and to build up. If you're here today and you're not sure that you're a Christian, you're not sure that you're a child of God. Hey, if the disaster did hit tomorrow and that thing busted through the Madrid broke through and, and broke this continent apart, and the Alvin was washed away, or wherever you are, was, you know, it just, I mean, it was washed away, and you went with it. Would you know where you're going to spend eternity? Do you know? Well, it's about nobody looking around today. If you're not sure today of where you're going to spend eternity, if you're not 100% sure that you're a child of God, if you have never believed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, And then continue that by receiving him into your life as Lord and Savior. Why don't you just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm really not sure, but I want to know. I want to be sure. Anybody here? In Romans it says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Yet you know that you know that you know. If if you're here and you're not sure, just nobody looking around, just raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Anybody here? Well, believers, here's what you need to pray about. Ask God to give you hearing ears. One day, it could be a long time from now, It could be in a matter of days we'll stand before him and he said over and over again he that hath an ear let him hear what the spirit is saying we need to be hearing what the spirit of god is saying over the next hours days weeks months especially this next 40 days we need to hear so i would challenge you to pray and say god give me spiritual ears to hear So I can hear what you're saying. And then you need to commit yourself to pray. Shared there in 1 Chronicles 7.14 or uh, um, there in Chronicles about that we need to humble ourselves and pray. Seek His face. Do those things. Humble yourself in the sense that it's not so much your agenda but it's God's agenda. Or maybe it's somebody else that's in need. So commit yourself to to pray, to hear, to pray, and then commit yourself to go. If you're really, if it's a real thing, he told several, go and bring forth fruit. Go into the highways and hedges. Go and 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 be witnesses for me. He's always saying, go. So go, each one or each one. Just go out, and all you gotta say is just like Gabe was saying earlier. I mean, you're gonna come in somebody's pathway. Just say. In your course of conversation. Hey, by the way, has anybody ever told you yet today that God loves you? Well, no. Well, man, He does. God loves you. And He's got a plan for your life. And then wait for it. And and trust the Holy Spirit that He'll give you the next words to say. And if it just gets complex, say, you know, hey, come to church with me. And we'll go out and get something to eat afterwards. But come on to church. Don't try to be something that you're not. Just be you what's God done in your life don't worry about it just be you and God will use you I challenge you to do it have hearing ears have a praying heart have a willing spirit to go and then I I don't ask you to commit to this church you know the body we need we need one another we really do we need one another There's so much riches in each one of our lives. It's like the more that we get to know each other, the more we find out, wow, that's cool. And you know what? Everybody needs a friend. Everybody needs somebody to stand with. When things get tough, you need to have somebody to stand with you in some difficult times, some challenging times. Man, they're right here. They're right here. And then bring some friends in. Will you stand with me this morning? And... Let's pray together. I want you to join hands with somebody that's next to you today. Remind you that you're you're not on your own. You're here with a body of believers. If you got some questions along this line, hey, feel free to. I don't know if Christian can put my my phone number up there to give me a text or send me something. I I, I love to talk about it. You know, we'll talk about it. If you're concerned about, it, if you're afraid, don't be afraid. You know, let's talk about it. Um, love Jesus. You love him. You know, nothing to worry about. Because he loves you. Yeah, that's all you got to do is just love him with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Man, that's it. That's it. That's all you got to do. Just get full of love and get the fear out of there. Amen. Father, we're in your house today. Thank you for your sanctuary. Not just this building, not just this room, but the sanctuary of the body of Christ. Thank you for that, Lord. We can find refuge, we can find a safe harbor in your presence, and you meet with your people. That's why we come to church, is to meet with you and to meet with your people. You inhabit the praise of your people. So, Lord, that's what it's all about. It really is. But now, Lord, as we take up the the task, the challenge to walk out these doors and to go into our world, the world that we've placed into, that's when we need to be real because people are looking for somebody that's real. We had a lot of bad examples, and we can't take up all that slack but lord we can just be real be a christian we can be a believer we can be a christian on the job in our family get all of the different things that we're involved with with all our different friends help us give us the courage to say no when we need to say no yes when we need to say yes and the, the love and compassion and and strength to help rescue those that are perishing lord we need that i know you you need that Lord, let this church, let Light Christian Center be a place that those that are in a famine for the Word, that they can come and find a feast. Lord, it's not just on Sunday morning from me, but from all of our, our Wednesday night. Uh, classes and all the different things, the, the Bible school that you're speaking to us to, to do uh, at the uh, next year. And, and so, Father, that, that, that this will be a place where your Word can go forth and people can be fed and nourished and be strengthened in you. Lord, bless this church. We call people in from the north, the south, the east and the west, Father, that they would come into this house. And, Lord, we need an army of believers during this time. We, we need an army of believers. And, Lord, we need to fellowship one with another. Lord, give us that. Uh, just show us who we need to go to. Uh, Lord, I ask that you just lay on each one of our hearts three people that we can purpose that we're going to go and, and just uh, just help me invite them and whatever, Lord. But just that we can be a part of their lives that they can that they can experience you, that they can begin to experience you. Now, Father, ask that you just go with.